Chapter Eleven of Kate Bonnet. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Kate Bonnet by Frank R. Stockton. Chapter Eleven: Bad Weather. When Dickory Charter sailed away from the island of Jamaica, his reason, had it been called upon, would have told him that he had a good stout brig under him on which there were people and ropes and sails and something to eat and drink but in those moments of paradise he did not trouble his reason very much and lived in an atmosphere of joy which he did not attempt to analyze but was content to breathe as if it had been the common air about him he was going away from every one he loved and yet never before had he been so happy in going to any one he loved he cared to talk to no one on board, but in company with his joy he stood and gazed westward out over the sea. He was but little younger than she was, and yet that difference, so slight, had lifted him from things of earth, and had placed him in that paradise where he now dwelt. So passed on the hours, so rolled the waves, and so moved the king and queen before the favouring breeze. It was on the second day out that the breeze began to be less favouring, and there were signs of a storm and in spite of his preoccupied condition, Dickory was obliged to notice the hurried talk of the officers about him, he occupying a point of vantage on the quarter-deck. Presently he turned and asked of someone if there was a likelihood of bad weather. The mate to whom he had spoken said somewhat unpleasantly, "'Bad weather enough, I take it, as we may all soon know, but it is not wind or rain. There is bad weather for you. Do you see that?' Dickory looked, and saw far away, but still distinct, a vessel under full sail, with a little black spot floating high above it. He turned to the man for explanation. "'And what is that?' he said. "'It's a pirate ship,' said the other, his face hardening as he spoke, "'and it will soon be firing at us to heave to.' At that moment there was a flash at the bow of the approaching vessel, a little smoke, and then the report of a cannon came over the water." Without further delay, the captain and crew of the king and queen went to work and hove to their brig. Young Dickory Charter also hove to. He did not know exactly why, but his dream stopped sailing over a sea of delight. They stood motionless, their sails flapping in the wind. "'Pirates!' he thought to himself, cold shivers running through him. "'Is this brig to be taken? Am I to be taken? Am I not to go to Barbados, to Bridgetown, her home? Am I not to take her back the good news which will make her happy?' Are these things possible? He stared over the water. He saw the swiftly approaching vessel. He could distinguish the skull and bones upon the black flag which flew above her. These things were possible, and his heart fell. But it was not with fear. Dickory Charter was as bold a fellow as ever stood on the deck in a sea-fight, but his heart fell at the thought that he might not be going to her old home, and that he might not sail back with good news to her. As the swift-sailing pirate ship sped on, Ben Greenway came aft to Captain Bonnet, and a grievous grin was on the Scotchman's face. "'Good greetings to you, Master Bonnet,' said he. "'You're truly good to your old friends and neighbours, and pass them not by, even when your pockets are bursting with Spanish gold.' A minute before this, Captain Steed Bonnet had been in a very pleasant state of mind. It was only two days ago that he had captured a Spanish ship from which he got great gain, including considerable stores of gold. Everything of value had been secured, the tall galleon had been burned, and its crew had been marooned on a barren spot on the coast of San Domingo. The spoils had been divided, at least every man knew what his share was to be, and the officers and the crew of the Revenge were in a well-contented state of mind. In fact, 
Captain Bonnet would not have sailed after a little brig, certainly unsuited to carry costly cargo, had it not been that his piratical principle made it appear to him a point of conscience to prey upon all mercantile craft, little or big, which might come in his way. Thus it was that he was sailing merrily after the king and queen when Ben Greenway came to him with his disturbing words. "'What mean you?' cried Bonnet. "'Know you that vessel?' "'Aye, well,' said Ben. "'It is the king and queen, bound, doubtless, for Bridgetown. I tell you, Master Bonnet, that it was a great deal of trouble and expense you put yourself to when you went into the present line of business on this ship. You could have stayed at home where she is owned, and with these fine fellows that you've gathered together, you might have robbed your neighbors right and left without the trouble of going to sea. "'Ben Greenway,' roared the captain, "'I will have no more of this.' is it not enough for me to be annoyed and worried by these everlasting ships of bridgetown which keep sailing across my bows no matter in what direction i go without hearing your jeers and sneers regarding the matter i tell you ben greenway i will not have it i will not suffer these paltry vessels filled perhaps with the grocers and cloth dealers from my own town to interfere thus with the bold career that i have chosen i tell you ben greenway i'll make an example of this one I am a pirate, and I will let them know it, these fellows in their floating shops. It will be a fair and easy thing to sink this tub without more ado. I'd rather meet three Spanish ships, even had they not aboard, than one of these righteous craft commanded by my most respectable friends and neighbors. Black Paul, the sailing-master, had approached, and had heard the greater part of these remarks. "'Better board her and see what she carries,' said he, "'before we sink her.' The men have been talking about her, and many of them favor not the trouble of marooning those on board of her. So say most of us. Let's get what we can from her, and then quickly rid ourselves of her one way or another. "'Tis well,' cried Bonnet. "'We can riddle her hull and sink her.' "'With the neighbors on board?' asked Greenway. Captain Bonnet scowled blackly. "'Ben Greenway,' he shouted, "'it would serve you right if I tied you hand and foot and bundled you on board that brig after we have stripped her, if haply she have anything on board we care for.' "'And then sink her?' asked the Scotchman. "'Aye, sink her,' replied Bonnet. "'Thus would I rid myself of a man who vexes me every moment that I lay my eyes on him, "'and moreover it would please you, for you would die in the midst of those friends and neighbours you have such a high regard for. "'That would put an end to your cackle, and there would be no gossip in the town about it.' "'The sailing-master now came aft. "'The vessel had been put about, and was slowly approaching the brig. "'Shall we make fast?' asked Black Paul. "'If we do, we shall have to be quick about it. "'The sea is rising, and that clumsy hulk may do us damage.' "'For a moment Captain Bonnet hesitated. "'He was beginning to learn something of the risks and dangers of a nautical life, "'and here was real danger if the two vessels ran nearer each other. "'Suddenly he turned and glared at Greenway. "'Make fast,' he cried savagely. "'Make fast if it be only for a minute.' "'Do you think in your heart,' asked the Scotchman grimly, "'that you're pirate enough for that?' End of chapter 11